excited to be here. You know, I think one of the greatest ministries in this country with student work is taking place right here. I have the greatest respect for what Neil has built here. And uh, I hope you realize you have a tremendous privilege that many people in the world do not have to while you're in, in school to get some training to help you with your life. <clears throat> now, I was raised, uh, tonight I just want you to Here's something of my testimony and get a little bit acquainted. I was raised in a small community in uh, West Texas. <clears throat> Where I was born, it was seven miles to the nearest highway. Now, you couldn't see the ends of the earth. I mean, it wasn't the ends of the earth, but you could see it from there, okay? <clears throat> and so uh, then when I was in the fourth grade, but <clears throat> I went to a little Baptist church, and I guess when I was seven or eight, Somewhere along in there, uh, I felt like <clears throat> that I really came to know the Lord as best I knew at the time. But we moved from there, and no one really helped me to grow. So when I was about 14, I was in church, and I felt like I wasn't a Christian, so I made another decision. Same story after that. No one really helped me to grow that much. So I got away to college, and uh, my freshman year... The very first week I was at school, uh, <clears throat> at Texas A&M, they said, now, if you're a Baptist, you go this way to the Baptist Student Center. If you're a Methodist, you go this way. If you're a Catholic, you go this way. So I went over to the Baptist Student Union. I'd never heard of it, didn't know anything about it. But that's what, in the similar thing of what you'd call challenge here. And so I heard some of the students give testimony, and I thought, I want to go back over there. So the very first day of class, someone from that organization knocked on my door and invited me over for a meeting that night. So I said to my roommate, hey, let's go over to the meeting. It's only 20 or 30 minutes, and then we can come back. There's another guy in the room. He said, oh, we got to study. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go to the meeting. I went back, and I came back, and they were still in the room talking. They hadn't studied at all. And I can remember thinking then, you know, you've got time in college to do what is most important for you. And by the way, let me make a suggestion. While you're in college, make your major your walk with God. Okay? Now, that's what, not what mom and dad told you when you left home. <clears throat> but your number one priority ought to be your walk with God. Now, that doesn't mean that if you go to class for seven hours, you got to pray eight. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying prior in your thinking is your relationship to God. Now, I know many of you think about, well, getting married someday. Well, you know, if you got married tonight, you know what your number one responsibility is the next day? It's to walk with God. Every day you live, that's the most important thing, is your relationship to God. Now, Study, be a good student, but you have time to do that which is most important. And that is that which is most important. So anyway, I started going, and I remember one night some guys talking in the dorms, and they said, well, there's a guy down the hall, and he's an agnostic. So they went and got him, and we were talking, and I mean, he had every kind of excuse you could think of. And I remember walking out on a drill field that night, and I thought, Lord, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. I don't know if what I've heard all my life is true or not. But as I began to think about it, I thought, 
well, yeah, Lord, I really believe it is. And I went back, and there's a Bible in my room that the Gideons had put there, and I began to read it. And as I began to read the Bible, <clears throat> the doubts about my salvation left, and I knew I was a Christian. And I remember going when I was a freshman one night over to the BSU, and uh, we had a thing called Love, Courtship, and Marriage Week. And the BSU director's wife spoke, and I never will forget the message she, <clears throat> she gave. One of the reasons is because I took notes. And by the way, I'd suggest you do that, okay? So I took notes, and she had three points. Your God, your goal, and your gal. Your relationship to God, what about your goal, where are you going in life, and, and about your gal. So I went up to her and I said, you know, Ellen, I'm 500 miles away from home. I do not have a car. I do not have money. It's an all-men's school at the time. I don't have time or the opportunity to be dating, and I don't think I should be right now. I said, you know, I think I need to get out into business while I'm here and really try to be a witness on this campus, but I don't think that's going to limit God bringing the right person into my life when it's time to get married. She said, well, Max, I agree with you, but said, you'll just have to prove it in your own life. So I walked back to the door and praying, God, I'm going to trust you, and in due time, if you want me married, you can, you can bring that about. <clears throat> and so I, I began to read the Bible, and I wanted to witness. I, we didn't have air conditioning in our dorm. The guys would leave our door open. I could hear the filthy language coming through the transom up above the door, and and I thought, I need to go witness that guy. But I was scared to death. But I kind of went over and stumbled around a little. And one night I was praying. I thought, God, now I'd planned to be a veterinarian. I said, now, God, when I get out and get my veterinary hospital, I'm going to try to make enough money to personally send a missionary. And I thought God would really be excited about that. But as I prayed about it, I sensed he wasn't. And God really began to speak to me that night. Now, it wasn't an audible voice. God doesn't normally speak to us audible voice. A lot of times it's a deep impression as, as you're thinking and praying. And God uh, impressed, I want you to be a witness here now. And I kept telling God what I was going to do when I got out of college. And I never could get God to move off of that idea. I want you to be a witness here now. So I had a little New Testament that I'd picked up. A Sunday school teacher had given me when I was a boy, and, and he had had us write four verses on the flyleaf about explaining how to become a Christian. So I put that up and picked it up and stuck it in my pocket, and I started down the hall. And there's a guy, and he was studying, had his back to the door, and he was sitting there studying. And I looked at him for a moment, and I was scared to death to witness to him. So I walked down the end of the hall, and I read the bulletin board. And I prayed some more, and then I... Walked by and looked at him again, then I went down the other end of the hall and got a drink. And then I read the bulletin board, then I got another drink. And I don't know how many times I walked up and down the hall before I just had the courage to knock on his door and say, hey, I'm an Aggie here just like you are, but I want to tell you what Christ has done for me. So that was the beginning for me. <clears throat> and my room fellow next door came in one day and he said, you know, Max, I've never led anybody to the Lord. I said, you haven't just like I was an old pro at it or something. I said, do you want to? He said, yeah. And I said, I do too. So why don't we go witness? And let's go every night. Now we can study at 10 o'clock and at 10 o'clock, let's just quit and let's go witness. 
And he said, uh, I said, let's start tonight. He said, man, I got a paper due tomorrow. And I said, well, I got a test, but it won't take long. I mean, the dorms are full of guys. So we started going and knocking on doors. And it wasn't long till somebody did become a Christian. And it wasn't long till somebody else became a Christian. And then other guys began to join us. And so for a year and a half, there were an average of two people a week except the Lord. Now, it was easier to lead people to the Lord then because more people had a church background. It's easier than certainly today, and I understand that. But we began to witness, and, and I began to try to help guys to grow. I didn't know much about it, but a lot of times on weekends, some of us would get together, and we'd read the Bible and pray. And I noticed uh, over a period of time, though, some of those guys that said they became Christians weren't doing so well. And we began to get many invitations to go to other campuses and, and, and just try to help other groups to learn how to witness. So we prayed and felt like that, had a retreat and felt like two guys ought to drop out of school for a year and just travel. And as we prayed, uh, it became clear I was one of them and another guy and a man in Houston bought us a used car and we just started going to campuses. And we'd go to their meetings like this and We'd say, if you want to witness, we'll, we'll go with you. So we'd take people out to witness, and we saw some tremendous things happen. And one week, <clears throat> I was at Moorhead, Kentucky. And it was it, the week before we'd been in Richmond, Virginia, and I'd had the flu. And so anytime uh, I, I let my roommate do the speaking, and I just, anytime I was awake, I just tried to be praying. It was... It was a time in May, and school was going to be out soon. And we got this invitation to come to Moorhead, Kentucky. So we decided to split up, and I'd go to Moorhead. We got there on Saturday night, and I met with five or six of the students. Um, and I could tell they were, they were afraid to witness. And so on Sunday, we didn't have any regular meetings. And Monday night, we met back, and they brought some of their friends. And, and I could see I wanted to help them some way. I said, I'll tell you what, guys, why don't you go over to the men's dorm, this is a state campus, and invite the fellas down to the lobby, and I'll come in tonight and just share a testimony, and you can see the ones that are interested in following back to the rooms and witness to them. So I said, I'll come over at 10 o'clock, and you go try to get some guys there. So I go over at 10 o'clock, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, there were guys all over the place. I mean, the it was packed. And so I, I said to one of the guys, how did you get all these people here? He said, well, we just knocked on every door and said, come down the lobby. We're having a meeting. Well, they thought the dorm master had called a meeting. And if you didn't check out just right, you didn't get your grades and all of that. So they thought it was a compulsory meeting. And so I thought, well, you know, God doesn't have to use deceptive means. So I said, Guys, let me, let me just say this to you. If you want to leave right now, you can leave, and, and it won't hurt my feelings because I did not tend for you to come under this search, in this situation. But I want to tell you, if you stay for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and I'm going to tell you how he changed my life, and I'm going to tell you how he can change yours. And before you leave, I want to tell you this. If Jesus doesn't change your life, you're going to mess up your life. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to marry a girl someday and you're going to mess up her life. And you're going to have kids and you're going to mess up their lives. So if you want to leave, feel free to do so. <laughs> and nobody left. 
And so I, I began to give a testimony and share the gospel. And after about 20 minutes, uh, I said, I'm going to close in prayer. And if you're interested in talking further about becoming a Christian, you remain. The rest of you feel free to leave. And nobody left. So I said, well, let me go through this one more time. And I shared the gospel as clearly as I could. And nobody would leave. And finally, I said, guys, you can sit here all night if you want to. But I'm not going to cheapen the gospel to get anybody to say they'd become a Christian. Because as I understand it, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, he will come in. But he'll be working on you for the rest of your life to try to make you the person you ought to be. And so I took the Bible and turned to Romans 10, 13. It says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That whosoever means you. If you want to become a Christian, come put your finger on that verse and let's pray. Well, they started coming. They pretty soon they reached over each other's shoulder. They couldn't even get close to, the, to that verse. I'd never seen God work in that way before. And so I was up till the wee hours of the night meeting with guys. The next morning I went up on the hill and I said, you know, I just need to get time with the Lord. And I told the director of that ministry, I said, I'll be down about noon. I came down at noon and there's a girl in the office already. And on Sunday night, I'd been in the restaurant and uh, I'd gotten a bite to eat before I went to the campus. And some pastor had given me two tracks and I was trying to learn everything I could about witnessing and I'd already given one of them away and she was back in the kitchen or something. And so I just laid that track down and put a tip on it and just prayed before I left. God looks like this is the only way I can witness to her. So would you use this? When I came down off the hill that day, this girl was sitting in the room and she had that track. It was all wet. She said, I read this last night. She said, I've been up all night. I want to know how, do you, how can I become a Christian? And so that day I talked to 20 people. And as far as I could tell, 19 of them accepted the Lord. I'd never seen God work like that. The next morning, they were, now this was on <clears throat> that Monday night, God did a great work. Now finals were to start Wednesday morning. So on <clears throat> Monday night, we met for our little witnessing thing and I went over to the dorm. The next day, I said to one of the girls, I said, would you talk to your dorm mother to see if I could come speak in the girls' dorm? She said, you don't know our dorm mother. There's no way you'd speak in that dorm. I said, well, the Spirit of God is working. You go ask her. And so she did and said, yeah, we'd be glad to help him, have him speak. So they invited the girls from one dorm to come over to the other. And I walked in that night, and there were girls all over the place. And so I began to share the gospel, and, this, and one girl back here just began to weep. And pretty soon another girl began to cry. And then another one. So I just stopped at that point. I didn't want it to be some kind of emotional deal. I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And if you want to talk further about becoming a Christian, I want you to leave the dorm. I had to go down the stairs in the hallway because the lady who led the, that ministry uh, had an office in the girl's basement. She had just graduated the year before. And so I started down there, the girl all down the halls. I was dealing with a group of them, got three on the couch. I'm talking to them, other girls. What I'd wanted to happen was happening because now around each Christian girl, there's a little group that she's witnessing to. I looked at my watch and I thought, oh, I've got to be in the dorm. I've not been in the night before. And I'm already late, so I ran across campus. When I got there, 
It was a lounge area. There are people all over the place, and there's one chair vacant in front. And I thought, that's strange that people would be standing around the walls and back in the doorway and leave this one chair vacant. As I'm speaking, there's a doorway right behind me, and a fellow walks in, walks right by me, and stops right in front of me and just stared for a moment, and then he sat down in that chair. Strangest thing I think I'd ever experienced. And after a few minutes, he said, listen, I'm an atheist. He said, until tonight, I didn't even believe there was a God. And he said, I got here kind of late, and I, the one thing I want to know, and he said, that is, how do you become a Christian? I said, anywhere, anytime you're willing to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life as best you know how, turn your life over to him, you can be saved. He said, man, I'd do anything. I said, well, let's pray. So he and I knelt and pray. And he got up and he said, guys, you all know what a dorm clown I've been. He said, I'm not clowning tonight. Why don't you come give your life to Jesus? So I just turned the service over to him. <laughs> I noticed one of the fellows on his knees over and he was a young, he's 26. He was a golfing coach. So I made my way to him, began to talk with him. <clears throat> and guys began to come and accept the Lord. You know, I found out what was so strange about that, because they said the week before, this boy who was an atheist had gone around knocking on doors and, and get, trying to get guys down to the lobby to have a religious meeting. He had stood up on the piano and that had a mock religious service. And one of the boys said he mocked Jesus Christ. That boy had gone home that weekend, didn't know anything had happened, and he didn't come back till Tuesday night, was planning to take a test the next day. And when he first walked in, he thought, somebody's stealing my tricks. And he hadn't been there just a moment till the Holy Spirit had gotten a hold of him. It was amazing what God did. I went to another campus because not every campus ends the same thing. I had a chance to go to one other campus. And uh, <clears throat> so when I was on that campus, as I spoke and met that week, there were four or five guys that seemed really interested. So the last night I was there, I met with them till 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, guys, you may be interested in growing while I'm here and witnessing, but if you don't get in the Word, if you don't begin to memorize verses and things, you won't make it. And so we met till 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. I had to catch a bus at 5. I knew if I laid down, I'd never catch that bus. I was going to Ridgecrest, North Carolina for a student meeting. And I said to those students that night, why don't we do this? I have to work this summer, and I know many of you do. Why don't we move somewhere, get a job? We'll join a church. And I said, and at night, we'll pray. After we get off work, we'll pray. We'll read the Bible. We'll memorize verses. We'll witness. I'll teach you everything I know about the Lord. It may not be much more than you know, but I'll teach you what I know. And so we talked about that. Well, then I go to Ridgecrest, North Carolina, and there's a fellow there. And he said, you know, a friend of mine worked with the Billy Graham team and said, he's here and he's going to be speaking to some of my students. Would you like to come? Well, I'd heard of Billy Graham. I said, sure. And so he told us, he's, the guy started telling us about Dawson Trotman. He said Dawson was the kind of guy, he'd have guys live with him. And it said at night, they'd read the Bible and pray and memorize verses, and he'd teach them what he knew. I couldn't believe it. It was almost like somebody had a tape recorder and recorded what I'd said. 
And so he began to talk about Dawson Trotman and the value he saw in building deeply into lives. So I went back praying, and God, if I never win but one other person to the Lord as long as I live, I want to see people really walk with the Lord. Now, Lord, I want to win many, but I want to see people walk with you. I don't think it brings honor and glory to the Lord for a person to say he'd become a Christian and then go back and live like he's always lived. So I went back to A&M with that in mind. Now, while I was in college, a fellow told me one day, said, if you would write little verses on cards, you could memorize them, or verses on little cards, you could memorize them. And I'd started doing that. And that had really been a blessing to my life. And I started spending time with the Lord, especially on weekends. Nearly all the guys in my dorm would leave and go date or something. And, and my dorm was kind of like a tomb on most weekends. Now, when I was a sophomore, one day I went down the hall to see one of the guys. And, and I said uh, to him, I said, Mike, have you ever thought about becoming a Christian? And he started laughing. He said, I don't even know if there's God or not. I said, well, I know there's a God because I know the way I used to live and the way I live now, and I know that the difference is God. And I said, uh, and I had a little Gospel of John, and I said, let me give you this Gospel of John and read it. And before you read it, just pray. And he said, pray? I don't know if there's a God to hear. I said, well, I know you don't, but just pray. And say, God, if this is true, I want you to let me know. And so I left him that <clears throat> Gospel of John. I go back the next weekend, I said, my you been reading that gospel, John? He said, no, I've been busy. I said, what are you doing tonight? He said, nothing. I said, well, let's read the gospel of John. So we'd read, and we'd come across things that he didn't know and didn't understand or didn't believe, but that's okay. We'd read it. And I didn't know what to do with him, except I knew how to read the gospel of John. And so we'd read. I went back the next weekend. I said, Mike, what are you doing tonight? Well, nothing. Well, let's read the Gospel of John. One day his roommate came down. And he said, you know, something's wrong with my roommate. Said he acts like he's lovesick or something. Said he used to study hard. Said something's bothering him. Said he just mopes around. And I didn't have any idea, my great spiritual discernment, what was going on. And so one night I came, happened to come in the dorm. As I walked in, he was coming down the hall and he saw me. But right before that, my roommate and I, every night, when one of us had to go to bed, maybe the other one stand up late to study, we always would kneel by our bed and pray before we went, one of us went to bed. And I told him about visiting with Mike. And so one night as we prayed, I never will forget what Gene Anderson prayed. He said, God, get a hold of Mike and don't let him sleep or study till he makes things right with you. We didn't tell anybody what we'd prayed, but I came in that night and this fella sees me coming. He, he heads straight for me, comes over and grabs me by the arm and he said, listen, I am ready to become a Christian. He said, I haven't slept or studied for a week. And we went down to the room. He asked Jesus to come into his life. I mean, God changed him. A few years ago, one Sunday night, I got a call and this guy said, are you the Max Barnett that went to Texas A&M? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to know, this is Mike McCorkle. And he said, what happened to me 30 years ago was real. And God's been with me ever since. So we began to see God do some things. <clears throat> and I want to go back to college just because that's where you are. When I said to you, major on your walk with God, 
Many of you are concerned, where will you live? What will you do? What will a job be? God can show you that. Try to be good students, but at the same time, major on your walk with God. And I tried to do that in college. I didn't know what. I remember two weeks before I was graduating, we were walking back, 17 of us in the same major, and one of the fellows said uh, they were talking about what they were going to do. And so every one of them knew what he was going to do. And somebody said to me, Max, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. He said, well, we're going to be graduating in two weeks. You better be finding out. Well, in the next few days, I went back to my room just praying, and God made it very clear what the next step for my life was. I wanted to give my life to discipling people. And so I began to move in that direction. Now, <clears throat> while I was at AM, I began to memorize those verses. And gang, I can I could say to you, if you could lay a million dollars here and you could just have the ability to blot out of my mind the verses I memorized in college, I wouldn't touch it. My last year in college, I'd changed my major. I was taking average taking 20 hours a semester. I had a lab four afternoons a week. And I had a heavy schedule, but I memorized a verse a day and reviewed 74 every day for eight months. I don't recommend that. That's too many. But I just say to you, if you would get serious about scripture memory, <clears throat> even if it's for some of you with a heavy load, maybe it's one verse a week. But if you learn one verse a week at the end of a year, you've got 52. At the end of two years, you'd have 520. And a verse a week would not even be a challenge for some of you. You know, I feel like I'm undressed if I don't have my verse pack with me. I try not to ever be without it so I can review verses. I also have them printed on eight by an eight and a half by 11 sheet. And when I get on the treadmill just trying to stay alive and there are three or four TVs at the health club and everybody watching, I review uh, while I'm on a treadmill. And so I want to I wanna challenge you. Begin to meet with God. There's no shortcuts. You know, everyone would like to have some spiritual experience and where all of a sudden you're spiritual and you don't have to pay a price. And let me just say this. You know, I try and never to ever have a day of my life. I never lay my head on a pillow at night that I hadn't had a quiet time. I try not to ever go to bed at night but what I've memorized some verses. Now, I want to explain something to you. Is that legalism? Do you know what the difference between legalism and discipline is? You know, we have a, we've had a football coach at OU by the name of Bob Stoops. And OU takes their football pretty seriously. And all the years that he coached at OU, I never one time heard anybody call him a legalist. But when it came time for practice, Baker Mayfield better be there. You know, there's a difference, but the difference between legalism and discipline. Legalism is trying to earn favor with God, either by what you do or what you don't do. You don't have to earn favor with God. If you're a Christian, you already have favor with God. That's what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. But discipline is doing what you ought to do because you ought to do it. Now, let me just... <clears throat> 
say this about scripture memory. If you begin to memorize verses, <clears throat> what I do when I memorize a verse, I write in the left-hand corner the date and in the, in the right-hand corner a date that's two months later. I try to review it every day for two months. Now, <clears throat> you know, if you lost your pack or, you know, left it in your roommate's car and you went home for the weekend, that's okay. It's not going to kill you if you miss a day. But that's why I do it for two months. I try not to miss a day. But I go over those verses, and I do that for two months. You will begin to have experiences with them. Like, I'm home my junior year in college. One night, I'm in the, in the kitchen, reading at the kitchen table, reading my Bible. My mother comes in. She says, son, you need to go to bed. You look bad. <clears throat> uh, you're so thin, and you need to get rest. And Well, I've never looked any way but bad my whole life, okay? So I go in and go to bed. After a while, they're asleep, and I didn't want to be disobedient, but I felt like I really had a burden that night to pray for a wife. And you know, Satan will work on your life and try, he's a liar, you know that. And he'll come along and, you know, I'd have these thoughts, well, you old tall, skinny guy, you think a girl would ever have interest in you? And I don't know what Satan will use in your life, but he will lie to you. And so that night I was reading, I came across Proverbs 18:22. Now I was using the King James because there wasn't a new American standard uh, like we have or NIV or any of those. Right after the earth crust cooled, the only thing available was the King James, okay? <laughs> and so Proverbs 18.22 says, He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Girls, don't be offended if the Bible calls you a good thing, okay? Well, immediately... Another verse popped into my mind I'd memorized some time ago, Psalms 84:11. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Well, then another verse popped into my mind, Psalm 34:10. Says the young lions do like and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. Now, I'm not saying God would ever tie those same verses together in the same way for anyone else, but I mean, God will speak to you. So I just wrote down that night, Lord, I'm claiming a promise for you. You said, as I look back on the conditions of those two verses, to walk uprightly and seek the Lord. And I said, God, I've not done that perfectly, but you know, that's what I've been trying to do for the last three years. So tonight I'm claiming a promise from you. You give me the wife in your own due time. And Lord, one of the things I want to share with her when I meet her is a verse I'd memorized, Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And we shared that verse. Now, I've had the privilege of living with that woman for 52 years. And in the last little book, I, let, I, say, I get to see disciple making in my own home. And a lot of times I'm in my study and my wife's in the kitchen with some of the girls, and there's a lady now that she's been discipling for nine years. She's now a professor at the university and having a phenomenal ministry. And I hear them in there laughing and having a good time in the open Bible, and they're sharing their verses, sharing their life, and praying and for people they're witnessing to and sharing. I mean, it is so fun. The greatest life there is is a life of giving your life for others. Now, See, you will begin to 
because I'd memorized those verses, God brought them together. One time when I was in seminary, my professor said to me, Max, I've got to, I'm speaking over in Louisiana at a church on Sunday morning, and then I need to fly to the Southern Baptist Convention. And so why don't you ride over with me? We didn't have class in on Monday. And you ride over with me. You stay and speak on Sunday night and drive my car back to seminary. I said, I'd love to do that because I wanted to get time with him. Well, I saw a buddy then in one of my classes, and he said, Max, we're sure looking forward to you speaking in Wichita Falls on Saturday night. I said, no, that's Friday night. And he said, no, it's Saturday night. And I said, no, it's Friday night. I'm going to be in Louisiana on Saturday night. He said, Max, I know when it is. I'm the one who've invited you. <laughs> and I thought, I have made a mistake. I have made two commitments on the same night in two different states. And I've got to go tell my professor I can't go with him. And how's he going to get his car back from Louisiana, you know? And so I, I'm walking over there, and a verse that I'd memorized back in college popped into my mind. Psalm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I thought, well, God, this is a day of trouble. <laughs> Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. And so I go in, I tell my professor, I said, sir, I got to tell you something. I can't go to Louisiana with you. And he said, why? And I told him, and he started laughing. And he just laughed and laughed and laughed. He said, Max, I am so tired. I am absolutely worn out. And I was talking to that pastor this week, and I told him we were driving over there on Saturday. He said, what in the world are you doing driving all the way to Louisiana? You get on an airplane, we'll fly you, and we'll pay for it. He said, Max, I've been trying to think all week how I could tell you. I don't want you to go with me. And you'll begin to have experiences with your verses. And those will come to you in times that will meet tremendous needs in your life. I'm at Glen Erie when I'm a sophomore. Somebody had told me about a conference up there. I'd never heard of the Navigator, didn't know anything about them. Somebody, I, I had heard the word one day. A guy had said something about there's a Christian group, and I think they're really serious about God. That's all I knew. Somebody told me about a conference, and I went up there. Lauren Sani was the president, and he said one day in a message, while you're here this week, why don't you ask God to give you a promise for your life? So I went out under a pine tree that afternoon. I said, now, God, I don't want to do this just because he said that, but, I mean, if you really have something for my life, I'd like to know it. And he said, go find a promise. And I thought, I know where there's some promises. I'll just go get one. And I thought, no. I want it to be real. I want it to be, I know God gave it to me. So I thought, well, I'm just going to continue to read and pray. And if God wants to speak to me, fine. If he doesn't, that's up to him. And so I was reading in Isaiah. So I'd read a while and pray a while. And then I'd read some more and I'd pray. And it seemed like the Lord just impressed on me. What do you want with your life? <clears throat> You're asking me for a promise for your life. What do you want with your life? And I said, God, these two words formed in my mind. God, I want you to give me men, men who really mean business for you. Now, since I was in all men's school, I thought in terms of men. Now I thought, well, not everybody's a man. So I thought, God, give me men and give me people. And the very next verse was Isaiah 43, 4. Since you have been precious in my sight, <clears throat> therefore, he said, you've been precious in my sight, and I have loved you. 
Therefore will I give men for you and people for your life. Now, <clears throat> I know if I'm teaching the book of Isaiah, I understand about context. But let me give you two verses that I think will help you more in your quiet time than any verses I've ever found, especially in the Old Testament. Romans 15.4 and 1 Corinthians 10.11. And they say basically, this, basically the same thing. These things that happened unto them happened for examples and they're written for our learning. Now, why were the stories written in the book of Acts and in the Old Testament and all the New Testament? Why were those things written? You know, do you know that the gospel of uh, John, the whole gospel of John, most of it, about over half of it, the last two weeks of Jesus' life? And John even wrote that I suppose if all the things Jesus did were written in them, even the world itself couldn't contain the books. So, I mean, so many things that are written. And so one day I'm reading along and they're, David and Saul are coming back from battle. And the women come out singing a little song. Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed what? His ten thousands. Now what did Saul think about that little song? He hated it. Why? Now why was that written? Just so I'll know a little bit more about the history of Israel. Well, that's part of it. But the Bible says these things that happened to them happened as examples and are written for your learning. So when you read these stories, you pause and think about them and pray. Of them. I thought, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this story? And I thought, God, I don't want to be like Saul. There'll be younger guys that'll come along, do a better job than I've done, and I hope they do. God, I, I don't want to be like Saul. I don't want to be jealous of those young men. I want to give my life to helping young men. And I'm reading along one day, and I just happened to be in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 15 and 16. And it says of Uzziah, he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Okay? You don't get where you are without some marvelous help, right? And so... He was marvelously helped until he was strong, but when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and was unfaithful to the Lord his God. And so I want to stop and pray over that. God, I don't want pride to be in my life. And then I'm reading over in 2 Chronicles 32, 25 about Hezekiah. And it said he gave no return for the benefit he received because his heart was proud. And so, I, you know, there's, when you read these stories in the Old Testament and you think, why was that written? If written, that happened as an example and you're supposed to learn something from it. And so that way, you begin to get something. See, most people's devotional life is so dead because they'll just read a few verses and then close their Bible and try to pray. Well, pray over the Scriptures. I find a lot of my praying is over the scriptures. I see something here. I see a characteristic in that man's life that I want or a characteristic that I don't want. So I pray about that. And so, gang, I tell you, <clears throat> then God led us to OU and it's been a phenomenal time. You know, I started a Bible study there with 
some guys and you know, I spoke the first week and I watched for interest and Brett Yon was in that study and some of you know him. He, he just spent 41 years retired from University of Nebraska. Bob Anderson's going to be with you. Bob was in that group. Another guy came and joined us, Larry Woods. He's at Michigan State. You know, I look and Jack Owens was another guy and he spent years at Iowa State. He's still there. I didn't call those guys to do what they did, but as I they got around and we shared, we memorized verses, we shared our life. And gang, if you will do that, if you will walk with the Lord yourself, share with other people what's helping you, it will help them. And that's what I've tried to do with my life. So I wanted you to know basically where I'm coming from and what I think is important. And gang, regardless of what you do in life, you want to make disciples, help people come to know Jesus. And the wonderful thing about disciple making is for, it's for all believers. You know, you may be married someday and have three little children and the days that you don't even get out of your house, but you may can invite your neighbor over, begin to share with her. You might help her come to know Christ where she could help her family. All of us can be involved in disciple-making, and it's God's will that we do that. So anyway, that's kind of the little story of my life so far. But it's been fun. I tell you what, I wouldn't want to trade places with anyone. I'm 81 years of age, and uh, I don't know how much longer I have, but I know one thing. I am looking forward to see Jesus. But meantime, I want to do everything I can because you see what happens in, mo in the churches today, a lot of people become Christians and the gospel stops with them. They never grow to the point where they're sharing with others. And we'll talk some about that later, about disciple making and how you go about it, helping people to grow where the gospel continues to spread. And that's what we want to see. So let me pray for us. By the way, I hope you get a good, nice rest tonight, okay? So you'll be ready for tomorrow. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for everyone that's here. Father, thank you for the safety in bringing us here. Of all the people in the world, you have allowed all of us to spend this time together. Father, we don't deserve it, but we thank you for it. And would you do a work in our lives this week. For some, it'll be a new beginning. There are probably some people here that have never really experienced giving their life to, to you. And Father, I pray that there'd be people here this week that would become Christians because the Christian life is the very best life there is. And Father, for others, it'll be maybe just encouragement to go ahead with what they're doing Maybe some starting some new patterns or habits, new areas of obedience to you. But Lord, would you accomplish in all of our lives what you want to this week. And Father, help us to realize that our lives are very brief. We have but a brief time on this earth. And yet eternity is forever and ever and ever. And everyone we have in classes, everyone we'll ever meet, Someday we'll spend eternity in heaven or hell. 
So God, help us to be about the task of helping people come to know Jesus. For we prayed in his name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>